Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Let's uh, just begin with a word of prayer as we go into the service today for uh, the sermon. Lord, thank you for uh, just to be able to sing truth today. Um, everything we said is just a testimony to truth, uh, to who you are, to our dependence upon you, the glory that's yours, God. And thank you that we can celebrate that together as a church family. Um, we thank you. We love you. Uh, as we share this word today, God, may it help us. That's why you gave us your word, to help us and guide us through this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title slide says, What Now? A Survival Guide for the Wilderness Life Experience. And I really, if I had to change it, I think I would call it a thrive guide, because that's what it's going to be. Not a survival guide, but a thrive guide. But do you remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? Uh, Joseph went through many disappointments in life. Uh, his family abandoned him. Employers betrayed him. Friends or, uh, failed him. And um, God gave him a dream. And said, Joseph, one day your, your life's going to matter. You're going to be important. And it didn't seem like that. Circumstances did not suggest that would be the case. But Joseph had faith. And in Genesis 37, 39, and 40, we read about those disappointments that Joseph goes through. But in Genesis 41, um, we, we find out that Joseph comes second in charge of all of Egypt. God takes the one who was abandoned and who was left forgotten, and puts him second in charge only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. And Egypt prospers under his leadership. In Exodus chapter 1, the Bible tells us how a new king came into power in Egypt and knew nothing about Joseph. This is years later. Knew nothing about what he brought to the country, how he helped them. All he knew is that the people of Israel, that Joseph's offspring and his clan, were outnumbering themselves. And they were prospering, and they did not like this, so he decided to make the Israelites slaves. And then they were living in oppression. And the Israelite people cried out to God, help us, rescue us. So that's Exodus 1. Exodus 3, God has a conversation with Moses in the wilderness. That wilderness is be a theme today. We read this, and you have your sermon notes, you can take them out. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. God says, yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, fertile, spacious land. And this is good news for Moses. He says, this is great because Moses is an Israelite himself. He was adopted into the house of Pharaoh. And one day, remember, he went out and saw one of his fellow Israelites being beaten by an Egyptian. And so he killed that Egyptian and hit his body. In fear of being found out and of the retribution of that, he fled into the wilderness. And now Moses is in the wilderness. God speaks to him through this bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed by fire, and says, I'm going to, now's the time has come. I've heard their cries. I'm going to rescue them from slavery and oppression. This sounds great to Moses. Yeah, God. Until God says, Moses, and I'm going to use you to rescue them, to carry out this plan. And then we read this next. Uh, but Moses protested to God, who am I? 
I was driving in the church this morning thinking those three words, who am I? And I felt like God was convinced, saying, Lord, uh, Mark, that, that, you know, as I as Lord, I, I, you know, people, I hear that all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why people, uh, the difference between people who are like Moses and, and, and Peter and Paul, we all start with, who am I? I'm a, I'm a murderer. I'm a deserter. I'm a, I'm a nobody. And I, I feel like I, God, there's someone else who can do this better than me. Someone else. I mean, it's a great idea. If not, I'm against what you're doing, but there's someone else who can do this better than me. And that's why a lot of us are, uh, would, would be tempted to be space takers instead of difference makers in our lives. I thought I'm going to do a message on that. I just think about that. Not today. Who am I? Difference between space takers and difference makers. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of uh, Egypt? Who am I? And I know we come up against that. I know that's how we feel. Like It's not that we're, we're, we're against what you're saying. It's just God, just got to be someone else who could do this. But listen to what God says to Moses. In his doubt, in his fear, God answers, I will be with you. And when you hear God say, I, God, will be with you, who should we fear? So Moses he chooses to make himself available to God. God says, I will be available to you as promised. And Moses is eventually able to lead the Israelite people out of Egypt. And they leave Egypt with a destination in mind, that, that fertile land that God promised them. We called it, they called it the promised land in Canaan. And God says, there you will live in freedom. Now, there are two things about this journey from Egypt to the promised land that intrigue me, that cause me to be curious. The first thing, first of all, is what, what intrigues me is how long the journey took. And secondly, where the journey took them. First of all, how long it took them to go from Egypt to the promised land. I find this curious, and you can be curious because if God took the people and a direct route from Goshen and Egypt, where they were, to where they would arrive in Jericho to the promised land, the journey should have taken them, get this, about 11 days, walking on foot. We know, because we read our Bible, it took them 40 years. And the question I ask is, God, is why? Why, why the 40-year journey that really should have lasted only 11 days? I mean, that's a detour, makes you wonder. So I'm curious about that. And then I'm curious, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, where God took them in this 40-year journey. God took the people on this extended journey into the wilderness of all places. And when you read about the wilderness in the Bible, it's not referring to Forest land, untouched snow, streams of water flowing, just beautiful. No, it's talking about barren desert. When the Bible talks about the wilderness. It's talking about barren, a barren desert place. And you can see a map up here of uh, the travels that these people took. They, they leave Goshen. They go down to the wilderness. <laughs> they go in circles. They wander quite a bit and take all this time, this 11-day journey, which took take. They go detour down to the wilderness for 40 years and up to Jericho. If I were the architect of that journey, I would have taken the easiest, most direct route to the promised land. But God, in his wisdom, took the people into the desert wilderness where they would face challenges, 
where they would face burdens, where they would face temptations for 40 years. And it could have been 11 day journey, but it took them 40 years. Why? The quick answer. If the people would have arrived to the promised land unscathed by challenges and trials, they would have never learned that God is what they need above all things, even more than their own land. So we're going to look at Psalm 81 today. And what I've learned to do, he didn't teach me this in school. Somebody told me, take the Bible and split it in half. You don't have a lot of sermon notes at the end. And you should come to the Psalms. Psalm 81. <clears throat> no charge for that advice. That's just, that's just free. Just take that. Try it. Split your Bible in half. It should come to the Psalms. I'm going to start reading at verse, uh, let's, let's start at verse 6. This is God. This, this, this Psalm was written years later uh, during probably the Feast of the Tabernacles when the Israelites would come and remember back to these wilderness experience times in their life. And uh, you can go back to the, next, the other slide. Um, for a second, so all, remembering all that wilderness experience, all that traveling, all that aroundness. And they remember God was with them. And so this psalm is God talking to those people years later. So yeah, let's go. Let's look at that, starting in verse 6. God says, Now I will take the load from your shoulders. I will set free your hands from, heavy, from their heavy task. You cried to me in trouble, and I saved you. I answered out of the thundercloud and tested your faith when there was no water and Meribah. We'll talk about that later. Listen to me, O my people. I Will I give you stern warnings while I give you stern warnings? O Israel, if you would only listen to me, you must never have a foreign god. You must not bow down before a false god. For it was I, the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. The story of the wilderness experience is to be understood as a paradigm for our own experience. The stories in the Bible are not there just for good reading, though they're good reading or interesting reading. They're there because God wants to speak to you about your life as he spoke to those about their life back in the day. And we're on a journey, you and I. We are traveling, and we have this preferred destination called a promised land. We crave life that will last forever, and God has given us this desire because we know this verse in Ecclesiastes, God has planted eternity in the human heart. We have this desire, this craving for life to continue, not to end, right? In John 14, God promises us, Jesus promises us a prepared physical place that we can live forever free from slavery and oppression of sin. Jesus tells us this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. 
Also trust in me. There's more than enough rooms in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. Would, have, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Like, would I lie? Would I mislead you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are heading in a direction of a promised, prepared, physical place called heaven, Jesus says. And you go, well, how do I get there? I, I got a map, I got a GPS, I don't know how to get there. Well, you, Jesus says, just don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take, when time comes and you're ready, when you breathe your last tear, I'll be waiting. I'm going to take you to where I am. But here is what we must realize today. While we're here in this journey traveling to heaven, to a prepared, promised place, we must journey through this thing called wilderness experience here on earth. And God would take us, you know, God could take us to heaven as soon as we became a Christian. Zoom, there we go. But he doesn't. He knows there's a journey we must take. You know, this, this, you know, why did it take 40 years and 11 days? Well, why is it, why can't we just go to heaven as soon as we become a Christian? God has a purpose in the journey, in the wilderness. It's where we come to learn to trust him. It's where we learn our dependence upon him. And dare I say this, even where we learn to truly worship him here. I, you know, I hate to show up in heaven and go, whoa, like, people are worshiping here. I didn't do that. See, God can lead us through the stress-free, the trial-free, the carefree life before we arrive to heaven, but he doesn't. We must walk through the, the, the desert, the wilderness experience, the same things that Joseph went through in his life back in Genesis, so we come to trust God alone and that, we, that God is all we need, that we come to know that, just as Israelite people did, just as Joseph did. And the Bible talks a lot about wilderness. Have you ever noticed that? When it does, it's always referring to that desert barren place. And the story of the wilderness experience in the Bible is to be understood as this paradigm for you and I. Right now, life in this world is a wilderness experience. And here's what we need to know about a barren wilderness in which we speak, we live in. The wilderness, this is what we got to know. The wilderness cannot support human life. The barren wilderness in the Bible that they go through cannot support human life. In the wilderness, you cannot grow enough food to live there. In the wilderness, you cannot catch food, enough food to live. And there's no water to draw from. So when Moses and the people moved through the wilderness, the only reason they didn't die was because of the miraculous intervention of God. See, God, remember, he sent manna to them. Oh, wow, like we can't do this on our own, but God's taking care of us. God was sending the quail. Oh, we can't, we can do that, but God, you can do that for us. Moses struck the rock to bring forth a spring of flowing water so the people could drink. So why is it important for you and I to understand that our life right now is wandering through a wilderness? Because just as the wilderness could not support physical life, we need to learn the world we live in today could never support or fulfill your deepest human longings. 
The wilderness can never supply and provide you with what you need, what you need to have this, to experience that full, abundant life that you so much want in that eternity. Why that's important for us to know, because in the wilderness experience, the provision and the security you think you have secured in this day will suddenly dissipate and be gone. That's why it's important for us to know that, that we work so hard to get these things. And God, you're, well, we, we got this box and God, we, we, we put you in there and uh, sometimes we'll take you out. God, just thank you and thank you for this day. And then we put you back. Lord, thank you for this food. And then we put you back. God, and that's how we do it, until this trouble comes. And we say, God, we take you out. Please, please help. Everything around us, we strive and put time and energy into, is going to disappear, except for the God that we want to keep in a box. We got to take him out. We got to learn to depend on him always and throw the box away. If the last two years have taught us anything, <laughs> it is how vulnerable we are in the wilderness. Our lives have been uprooted and, and changed because of a virus. Today, we watch on the news a cruel, selfish man invading Ukraine, uprooting the lives of millions. And it affects us. It, it shakes us. It angers us. We come to see just how volatile, how unstable this wilderness is that we live in. And if this isn't enough, that, that all of us would have personal concerns, personal trouble here in the wilderness. We, we, with our health goes. Our relationship ends. A job ends. Money is gone. And something important that we've been trusting in and counting on suddenly dries up, and it is nowhere to be found. We look around, we discover we're living and experiencing in a wilderness. And inevitably, there's a question we ask, why did God let this happen? Why? And nothing wrong with that question. It's, a lot of people ask that in the Bible. But when we ask this question, the question reveals something about you and I. And here it is. This is important. Get my ears ready for this one. This is good. And here, If my health did not fail... If this relationship did not end, if my career was still on track, if I had the money, if only this didn't happen or this wouldn't have happened or would have happened, only if, I'd be happy. And what happens then, we become angry at God because it's God's job, we say, to arrange my world in such a way that my career and my relationships work and thrive so that I am happy. <clears throat> But we miss the key point of the story in the Bible. The whole idea of the Bible is this. This world cannot, cannot fulfill the desires of your heart. It cannot support the deepest needs of your life. The best marriage can't. The best career can't. The most money can't. The healthiest body can't. There's nothing in this barren land which can sustain the kind of life that you seek and desire and want. Eventually, it all ends. It all dies. It all leaves. <coughs> I heard an illustration that helps me understand this. Maybe it won't help you, but it helps me. You cook a chicken. And when it's done, you set it out on the counter. The chicken is just the way you like it, warm, tender, succulent, smells great. 
but you wait. <clears throat> it doesn't stay this way. You leave it on the counter in three hours, it is cold. In three days, it begins to stink. In three weeks, it is rancid and it's a health hazard. See, that, that, that's the story of the things that we tend to say, okay, you sustain me. You satisfy me. It can't. Maybe for a moment, but it can't. A few years ago, I was reading this book. It fascinated me because it was telling me how in a thousand years from now, the world as we know it today will not be the world as we know it today. I mean, if Jesus has not come back, there'll be no Canada in a thousand years. And you say, no, I, no, 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 the Canada is big. Canada is too strong. And, and you immediately think this can't be true. Canada would never be gone. I mean, how, how? But the author pointed out that this is what the Roman Empire thought about themselves. And it crumbled. This is how the Babylonian Empire lived, but it disappeared. And when I saw last year the news of the people rushing the Capitol building in the States, I thought, like, even the States is, in, is not invincible. Even in most of our lifetimes, we have seen huge corporations we thought were too big to fail that are part of our life. They're, they're gone. Where's Kodak? It's gone. Where's Blockbuster? Gone. Where's Pan Am Airlines? You know, so it's hard to believe for you and I that, you know, in a thousand years, probably 500 years, probably even less, there'll be no Tim Hortons. I know, I know. Don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. There'll be no Walmart. And this one's going to hurt. There'll be no Amazon. Why? Because nothing in the wilderness lasts. And that's the illustration for your life. Even when you have what you need in the way you like it, it just won't stay that way. You go to the people at this very moment who have the best marriages, who have the strongest bodies, the best jobs, and the best vacations, and, and the best bank accounts. They seem to have the best of everything. Even if a person existed, the world cannot and will not sustain that life. The world cannot give you everything you need. So what happens is you become angry. You become angry at yourself. You become angry at your parents. You become angry at your spouse, your boss, your pastor, God. Because the circumstances in your life are not right. I got to get angry at somebody. The problem is you have an assumption this world can satisfy and should satisfy me, but it cannot. You were asking it to do something it was not designed it cannot do. There's sin in this world. Death came in this world. The chicken will decay. So hopefully you come to realize the one thing that doesn't. God. And what, you know, and what the problem is people they're expecting right now is heaven on earth. Uh, this is not heaven. This is the wilderness. The journey, this is the journey to heaven, but it's not heaven. And heaven, heaven everything's going to be perfect. Everything will be complete. And, and God tells us in the Bible, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, thank you, or sorrow, praise the Lord, or crying or pain. What does it say? All these things are gone for how long? Forever. That's heaven. None of this is true on earth. 
Here we will know tears. Here we will know sorrow. Here we will know crying, pain, and death. I had a friend, a great friend, who was probably the wealthiest man I've ever met or knew. And his wife died. And he was lost. He was, I've never seen someone so des- devastated at the death of their spouse. And I was actually with him, standing with him in the hospital when his wife left this world. And he told me later, Mark, I would gladly give up all this wealth that people think is so important and they strive for if I could just have my wife back. And he meant it. He was a Christian man. And so he's now, today, has left this world and is with his wife forever. All the things that people admired, the wealth, the, the vacations, the houses, the, it was such a humble, wonderful man. He shared it all. But it's gone. But what is he gaining today? What is he gaining today? Everything. And it's forever. God has provided good things for us to enjoy here on this world. Let's not, let's not deny that. Let's be thankful for that. Let's praise him for that. Let's pray for these things. Just understand they can't sustain. They can't satisfy. Only God can do that in your life. Life is a wilderness. This is the metaphor. We are wandering through this desert, but don't lose hope because second point, final point, there's a rock in the wilderness. See, Moses and the people could survive the wilderness experience because we said God miraculously intervened to provide for them. In Psalm 81, we read, I read for you earlier, God looks back at this whole wilderness experience which Moses and the people went through. God says to the people, if only you have listened to me, if only you have listened to me, only if you did not worship these false gods, only if you did not avoid me, he says this, I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. The rock is also mentioned in verse 7, but not by name. But God references it when he says back in Psalm 81, 7, You cried to me in trouble, and what I saved you, I answered out of the thundercloud and tested your faith when there was no water at Meribah. And what happened at Meribah in Exodus 17, and again in Numbers 20, God rescued and saved the people from thirst. They were dying from thirst. Remember Moses struck the rock, and water came from that rock. You know God did it twice Psalm 78 hints that it might have been more than that. For there we read in Psalm 78, for he divided the sea, we know that, the Red Sea, led them through it, making the water stand up like walls. In the daytime, he led them by a cloud, we know that, he directed them at night by a pillar of fire. And then he split open the rocks, the rocks in the wilderness to give them water. It's from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rock, making waters flow from down from rivers. It might have been twice, it probably was more and more times than that. Moses, he knows life in the wilderness without God, without his provision, without his intervention would be impossible. So Moses knows this and he makes this declaration in Deuteronomy 32. He says this, I will proclaim the Lord, the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. He is the rock. That's who he is in this life in this wilderness. Moses continues to give this testimony in God's care for them in the wilderness. He says, God found them in a desert land in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spread his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions. I know this this is throwing a lot of scripture at you and 
I, I just, I just, but I just want to simply for us to understand today this, this idea. Spiritually speaking, life is a desert wilderness. But in the wilderness, there is a rock. And what this means to you and I is this. The wilderness, this is the whole point of this sermon. The wilderness is the place where you meet God. If you remember anything today, okay, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember what Mark said. I'll maybe go back. But if you remember anything today is understand you are, life is a wilderness. You are in the wilderness. But understand the wilderness is a place where you meet God. That's why God has you here. That's why God took them out into the wilderness. He said, right to the promised land. This is what you need to leave today, knowing and believing with all your heart. When you come to understand that fact, it changes the whole perspective on life here in the wilderness. The wilderness experiences in your life are not just something you endure. Or I said I changed the name. It's not even something you survive. Rather, these are places where you meet God and you know he is enough. I'm going to say that one more time. I want to hear amen like you mean that. These are the places where you meet God and you know he is enough. He alone sustains life. Not the other stuff. I like the other stuff. But it's not going to sustain my life. It's not going to bring me the happiness and the joy. There's only one who can do that. The wilderness is where Moses met God. Moses believed in God. He knew about God. But when did God become real to him? In the wilderness. The prophet Elijah was discouraged and depressed. They've ever been there? And where did God say, tell him to go? Into the wilderness, where he met God in a still, small voice. The Gospel of Mark tells us that when Jesus went away to pray, where did he go? He went into the wilderness to pray. John the Baptist calls people out to where? In the wilderness to repent and be baptized. I told you a couple weeks ago that one-hour book, Devotional I had that huge thing I had, I bought years ago, my first ministry, and thought, wow, I'd love to do that one hour with God. It sounds good, and never did it until I found myself in the wilderness. Suddenly it became real. Suddenly it was easy to spend an hour with God. That's where I met God, in the wilderness. Where the Psalms came alive. Where That's when I began listening to him in prayer and praying to him in the wilderness. The wilderness is the place you meet God. You may believe in God, you may pray to God, but the fact is you will not meet and discover God as your provider and as your Savior until you meet Him in the wilderness. God, help. I can't do this without you. The world cannot do this for me. You alone are my help. This is when you're going to press into God. This is when you're going to stop chasing false gods in your life. So worship team, come. We're going to pray about this. And as last week, if you need prayer for this or for any other thing, I'm going to be in the prayer room after. I'd love to pray with you. Glenn will be there for a time as well. Lauren probably will be being with us and pray, I bet. Not great, I can tell you. Ask her right up here. She's got thumbs up. We'll pray for you. And just, I just want to mention this too. In our prayer start this morning, um, I felt God, we were talking about healing. And I felt God say, next week, Mark, talk about healing. So I'm going to do that. And if you want to come prepared, we're going to be anointing with oil. It's a good week. So I'm going to be down here next week. Restrictions are, are gone, and I'm going to be down there where you are. It's harder to anoint people from oil up here. I'm going to throw it down. So next week's a good week to do that. 
Think about this week. If you are in need of healing in your life, would you prepare, come prepared, praying, confessing, talking to God, and let's pray for your healing next week. But right now, let's pray for this wilderness experience. God, always wondered why there's wilderness in our life. I'm one of those that, why, God? Why, why, why? But Lord, I learned in my life, that's where I've met you. That's where I pressed into you. That's where I, I confess my need for you, God, because without the wilderness, I think I'm doing okay, that, that I've got to figure it out, that I could write a book about life because of this, 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 this. But God, really, the title of my book is In the Wilderness is Where I Met You. When Moses met you, that's where Jesus went to pray. That's where he told Elijah to go, and he's depressed and discouraged. And we would avoid it, Lord, if we could. But you know we need this time to draw from you water, streams of living water, to refresh us and sustain us today and forever. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.